Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, a show that dedicates itself to the best racket sport in the world. For the most extensive tennis podcast, let's join Ryan Tennyson, Josh Campbell, Joel Fritchie, and your host, Val Febo. If you and your partner want to spend Valentine's Day in the most glamorous way possible, sit back, get cosy, and listen to the latest edition of Breakpoint Podcast, because we have an ultimate special for you today and Val Febo here with you on the show as usual with Joel Fritchie. Joel, how are you going? Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thanks Val. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. It's great great to see you again. It's uh, a beautiful, I think this is the first time we've done a show on Valentine's Day. So, So nice and special, but it's special for other reasons because we have a very special guest on the show today. Our first ever player, I did tweet this and put this on Instagram yesterday. I didn't do the reveal, so we're going to do the reveal now. He's got a career high ranking of a world number 50. He's one of my favourite players. I mention him on the show a lot. I've coined the nickname for him, the Stefan Train, because we have got the, the main man, Stefan Robert, in the studio today. Stefan, thank you so much for coming on Breakpoint Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, it's my pleasure too. Huh? Hi, guys. Fantastic to have you on it. Stefan, uh, so congrats. You just came off a, a couple of weeks stint in Tasmania where you won the Bernie Challenger, and congratulations on the win there. And How confident are you now heading into the rest of 2018? Yeah, you know, for me, the goal last year, you know, I, I got injured very, very uh, early in the season. And uh, yeah, it was very difficult for me. You know, sometimes I was playing, but not 100%. So uh, since uh, US Open, actually, I, I could play 100%. I was in trouble on clay. You know, I had a problem with my adductors and uh, was not feeling well on the clay season last year. So uh, I decided to stop playing for three weeks. And I went to this US Open uh, with any expectation, without any expectation, because I was not sure to play in the quarters actually. And I got in in the last minute because one guy pulled out uh, from the main draw. So they did the draw from qualies and I was not in the draw. But finally, oh, the, wow. day, the day after, they, the day of, uh, you know, when the qualies start, uh, they, they, one guy from the main draw pulled out and I got the spot. And finally, I could play, but I, I was there without any practice and uh, no, no practice on hardcore, especially. But I did two matches and I could feel it was good with my adductor. I was 100%. And after my first match, I was 100% again. So for me, it was good feeling. And since that time, I started to play well. And now I'm 100%. I was like uh, 330 in October. Now I'm back. I'm 160 and 162. Uh, yeah, 162, and uh, I'm playing good. You know, I'm feeling confident, and I won like two challenger like in three months. So yeah, I'm very happy, and especially this win in in, in Bernie is very very yeah, very important for me. You know, I I did a final five years ago, and uh, I came back here, and I was yeah I was not thinking about winning this tournament, but finally I did it, and it was uh, amazing. Yeah, oh, it was a, it was a brilliant match to beating um, uh, Daniel Alvmeyer six two six one in the final, but. We'll go back uh, away, back to the start of your tennis career. When did you start playing tennis? Yeah, I started playing tennis when I was uh, eight years old. Uh, yeah, I was playing. My brother was playing, you know, and uh, he was playing with my father. And me, I was, I was there, you know, I was playing uh, with the wall. And last 10 minutes, my father, like, uh, gave, was giving me f- some balls, you know, and uh, I was enjoying, you know, I was playing soccer at that time and a little bit of tennis. And, you know, I, I was doing both till the uh, age of 14, and then I decided to play tennis uh, only. Yeah, and what what was the love about it? What, why did you choose tennis over football? Yeah, you know, in football, you know, I was giving my best all the time. You know, I was running everywhere. And sometimes uh, when, uh, when we were losing, I was not happy at all. So I said, okay, now I want the full responsibility and I play tennis. They, when I'm bad, I'm losing. When I'm good, I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> and who were your idols growing up? 
uh yeah i enjoy a lot agassi you know agassi and uh f from french players i, I enjoyed the uh, piolin cedric piolin and uh i enjoy also gustavo querten yeah but basically i'm very yeah, i'm big fan of tennis so i like a lot of players yeah i and like now i like you know i like federer i like uh i like also um, yeah i like all these guys who are playing like crazy tennis i yeah. like i like nick kirgios also yeah. And uh, I think we, it's safe to say that we all, all like Federer on this yeah. show. He's um, <laughs> oh, he's one of the one of the greatest ever athletes of all time. And also, you're, you're going back to your first ever tournament, your ITF tournament. Can you remember much about it? It was in uh, I think I'm going to say this correctly, Bourgeon Bless in uh, 2001. Do you remember much about that tournament? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, I had to play three rounds of qualies, so. Um, I, I don't remember my first match. I was, yeah, maybe it was against a German guy, maybe Florian Marquardt, but maybe it was the second round. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was uh, for me. It was a big surprise that time. You know, I went to this tournament, and uh, I was I, well, it was my first professional tournament. But yeah. in my head, yeah, I was already professional because uh, I was at the college, and uh, in uh, January two thousand one. I decided to stop my studies. You know, I was a bit annoyed by my studies. I, I said, okay, I want to try something on tennis. So I was playing some money tournament, prize money tournament in, in France. And then I decided to play my first tournament uh, yeah, in Bourg-en-Bresse. Actually, it was not my first tournament. It wasn't? My first tournament, I missed the sign-in. You know, I arrived too late. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, did, I didn't tell my parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably would have been too pleased. <laughs> but in that tournament, you got through to the second round. And from then on, it was was all uh, you're a pro and your first futures win was in Tel Aviv in Israel and do you, do you remember much about that the, the first title yeah yeah of course yeah I remember I had quite all my match actually yeah so yeah it was my first title uh, I won a tournament it was a satellite tournament yeah. in January so I won a uh, final uh, the final round uh, it was called uh, yeah it was called the masters of this yeah. satellite you know we played three three weeks and then all the best players from the first three weeks they were oh, right. qualified for the masters and i won that masters so it was in guatemala in january and then in february i won uh, i won this uh, this future in uh, in tel aviv and uh, yeah it was uh, yeah it was it was funny for me to win uh, this tournament because I was like 600 and, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was checking my ranking and I was say, oh, I'm 500, you know, it was like, you know, first tournament, say, ah, you see the ranking and you, I had no idea how it goes, you know, with the point and, yeah. and, uh, you know, after like two, three months, I came from 900 to 500, say, ah, it's going, uh, going quite, <laughs> quite, uh, quick. Yeah, it does. It does go when you're in form. It does go quite quickly. We see even with players winning 250 events and 500s that you know, the ranking just skyrockets. But I want to ask you about one match you played in November 2002 against a young Spaniard named uh, Rafael Nadal <laughs> yeah. in uh, one of the satellite tournaments in Spain. Uh, how much do you remember of that match? Did you, did you go away from that thinking, oh, geez, he's he's quite talented? Yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, it's impossible to imagine when you play such a, a young player. Imagine that this guy is gonna be like uh, ten times champion in the French Open or number one, whatever. You know, I could see strong because uh, in that tournament I, I was playing good. You know, I was playing very good with big confidence. I was putting pressure, and I beat two good guys. You know, in the second round I beat uh, no, in the first round in that tournament I beat Guillermo Garcia Lopez. Yeah. So it was a good win, and then I play against Nadal. That day was very windy. 
And, you know, we know also that when it's windy, he likes because we, with the way he's yeah. playing, you know, it's better for him. Me, I was playing like very flat yeah. and uh, he beat me 6-3, 6-3 and uh, yeah, I had no chance. You know, I was putting a lot of pressure on the return, you know, I was like inside the, inside the, 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 the ground, you know, like next to the service box. Yeah. But for him, uh, before my, two, my first two matches, the guys, they were like in panic, you know, but him, no problem. You know, it was like easy and uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I could see it was very solid, but then you know, it was like November two thousand two. Yeah, and uh, yeah, in two thousand five, he he won the French Open like two years and a half later. So yeah, it's amazing. Ah, oh, it's he. It was unbelievable what happened from then on in. And I, I do want to ask him. We're both very interested in in how difficult it is on the challenges tour and the futures tour because we hear, we see on TV the glamorous side of tennis and how how the top players earn a massive amount of dollars, but. When you're playing on the lower circuits, it's it's not very easy, is it? Yeah, it's not easy, you know, for sure. But the thing is, uh, you have to go through these tournaments, you know, especially mm. the future. After on the Challenger Tour, it's it's better, you know. But yeah, the the goal is like yeah to yeah to to win a lot of future tournament, then to to have the level to play the Challenger Tour, you know that. So yeah, but it's like everybody knows that. So you know, uh, and now it's getting better. You know, like they increase the price money, so now there is no more ten thousand. But uh, still, it's like yeah, it's not possible to make a living from that tournament. So it's just a, a step to the to the top level. But uh, but for sure, it's difficult. You know, like a lot of tennis players are struggling with the money. You know, when you have to travel, you have to pay a mm. coach. So most of the time, you have to be alone and this and this. So you are not like really deciding. You know. If you have a lot of money, you are free, you can do whatever you want, but we are like, yeah, not so many guys can do this. And did you have to sleep in, because we've heard stories about players sleeping in airports and, and on trains and, and things like that. Did you, did you, were there times where you actually didn't have enough money for a hotel or, or were, you, were you pretty set for most of that time? No, no, I had no problem. You know, I That's was good. like doing, uh, yeah, after, you know, I'm doing like, I was professional, so I don't, I don't like, uh, don't give a chance for uh, to do this. You know, like yeah. I was prepared. You know, when I do a season, I know I have enough money to pay everything, and uh, yeah, sometimes I have to take care of the of the money. You know, I have to be careful with that. So yeah, I remember like, and that time after everybody was thinking I'm going to backpackers or whatever, but I did some backpackers in Australia. But you know, just because one time I arrived a bit too early from uh, from New Caledonia to Melbourne and. Uh, and I was supposed to share the room with another player. The guy was injured, so he didn't come. For finally, I was alone. And I arrived two days before uh, I had my reservation. So I said, okay, come on. I have two days to spend. I'm not going to pay so much. So, hey, let's go and go in this backpacker. Yeah. And it was funny because I met one, one good friend, actually, from, from New Zealand now. You know, I arrived in the room. You know, it was 11 o'clock in the night. From the airport, it was terrible. It was so hot that day. It was like maybe 35 at 11 o'clock. And I arrived in the room and I was like, you know, I want to go there uh, first time in a backpacker. And, yeah. and my, my, my friend, this guy was on the, on the bunk bed on the upper level. And, uh, and then he saw me with a tennis bag. He told me, hey, hey, you are a tennis player? I said, I, I, I didn't want to say, hey, I'm a tennis player. So I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm coach. Uh, maybe I'm going to play. <laughs> but it was true because I was, that year I was out of qualies. I know I was 275. I was not sure to play the qualies. Yeah. I just went open. Finally, I got in. And uh, I told this guy, yeah, okay. He told me, yeah, I know some players, blah, blah, blah. And we started talking and said, I told him, hey, if you want, 
in two days I have a yeah. reservation in another hotel. So you come with me, and uh, it's okay. And then and then he was uh, yeah he came with me, and he could meet uh, Federer in the in, in the Melbourne Park. And uh, and finally now yeah we are in contact for now five six years. He That's came he came to see me in Qualis many times here. He was there when I played my third round uh, in 2016. You know yeah, against so Monfey. He, he was there in the Qualis. Came back to New Zealand. And then came back for the match. So yeah, it was it was good. You know, sometimes some good stories like this, it's like I like. See, I actually was going to ask you about that because I heard about that story on on television in uh, in 2013 when you made the fourth round in uh, in Australia. And I, I actually want to ask you about that tournament because uh, you uh, 2014, I think it was, you made the fourth round. Yeah. Um, you ended up losing in the third round of qualies to Michael Berrer and then ended up getting a spot in the main draw and ended up beating the likes of uh, Aliage Bedene, uh, Martin Klizan, and ended up taking a set off Andy Murray. Talk us through that tournament because to this day it remains the deepest run by a lucky loser at the Australian Open. So it's it's an unbe- unbelievable feat. Yeah, you know, it was special because uh, I played uh, Martin Klizan in the third round and he was also a lucky loser. So we knew that uh, lucky loser is going to be in the first round and it's going to be historic for the Australian Open. And uh, yeah, I remember I was playing really good. And uh, in the qualies I lost, you know, I was up like 4-0 against Michael Burr. And uh, I don't know, he was serving good, you know, that moment. And But I was returning all his first serve. And then he started to miss the first serve. And I don't know why I couldn't return the second serve. So with the spin, I, I don't know. And then finally the game changed completely. I lost 7-5-6-1. And I couldn't believe this. And then, and then I was waiting, you know, I was the lucky loser number two. One, the number one was already in. And uh, I was waiting for this, you know, I was in the in the club waiting, waiting. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, first match 11 o'clock and the uh, supervisor came to me and said, hey, hey, you can play in 10 minutes. I said, OK, why not? <laughs> in and 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, I went I went to the locker room. I got my my uh, my stuff ready and I told all my fr- French guys they were there. They were laughing because <laughs> ah, you're going to play. <laughs> and I was not really ready to play. <laughs> we ended up winning that first match. I think that was yeah. against Bedener, wasn't yeah, it? In yeah. straight sets. So yeah. you got through pretty comfortably. So and then moving on uh, against Clizan, what, what were the thoughts in that third round match going? Geez, I could get to the fourth round of a Grand Slam. Yeah, you know, I was like. Uh, I knew I had a chance to go in the in the fourth round, you know, and uh, that the good feeling, you know, especially when I have these opportunities, I, I, I'm taking it all the time, you know. So I was thinking, come on, you have to play your best tennis today, try to be solid, and uh, and you can do it, you know. I know that time Martin was not so confident, was not playing his best tennis at, at that time, you know. He was also lucky to be to be there because, mm-hmm. you know, in this part of the draw, it was like, uh, yeah. Uh, Coach Schreiber pulled out. I took his spot. Isner uh, just won uh, Auckland. Arrived, he was injured. So Martin beat him first round after one set. So it was a empty draw, you know, no, no city mm. uh, and like guys like 16 in the world. So I said, come on, I have to take this opportunity to go yeah. first round. And uh, yeah, I was pretty solid, you know. Uh, I won the first set 6-0 in like uh, less than 20 minutes. And then it was very, very hot that day. And I won the second set, set 7-6 and 6-3 or 6-4 in the third. So, yeah, I was very happy because, uh, yeah, because to win this match, yeah, it was maybe the, one of the most important matches in my, my career and uh, to give me the opportunity to play like uh, Andy Murray and, uh, and the high sense. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was good. And against Andy, uh, yeah, it was tough because, uh, yeah, I was losing like uh, two, sets to, yeah, two sets to love. Yeah. And it was 5-3 up in the third. I saved match point, I think. And then in the tiebreak, I uh, started to play really, really well. I was like already playing better in this third set, but uh, I could, I could 
take this uh, this tie break and I could see he was like not not happy at all uh, after after losing this set. But me, I was I was really tired and I was like starting cramping. But also him was cramping. But I yeah. didn't know, you know, I didn't pay attention because I was focused on my cramps. So I said, come on, I have to find a way to to finish this match. And uh, yeah, I lost quite easy in the in the, in the fourth. But when when you're taking on a guy like Andy Murray, and that was the first, was that your first meeting with him? Yeah, yeah. So was it daunting going up against such a big player at that time? I think he he was the reigning Wimbledon champion at that point, and was it were you just like, oh, geez, I'm going up on High Sense Arena, which was the second biggest court in Australia at that time, and and playing such a big player, or did you were you just focused on your on your game? Yeah, I was quite um, quite uh, happy to play and uh, focus on what I had to do. You know, I was not so impressed about that. You know, uh, so but yeah, actually, you know, he was not playing unbelievable that day. You know, it was just like putting the ball in. You know, and trying to make me uh, make me play, make me run, and I was like exhausted after <laughs> after two sets. And he was not doing anything special, but I was was really exhausted, and uh, and also first time I play on this big court, so it's like you know. We all the players are complaining sometimes that uh, you know, all the top players are playing on the big 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 stadium, but then after it's different. You know when you play on the small courts, you know it's faster, and on this big court, you know you, it's a bit different. And uh, and for 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 players who are not um, not um, not used to it, yeah, yeah, not used to it. It's it, it can be difficult, especially at the beginning of yeah. the match. You know, so yeah, it's always the same. You know, it's good to have a good start. You know, if you, if you start not good, then it's tough. Yeah, and speaking of Grand Slams, now we've spoken about the Australian Open run in 2014, but your first Grand Slam match was in 2006 against uh, Mariano Zabaleta at uh, French Open. Oh, yeah, 2004. Yeah. Oh, 2004. Sorry. Um, how were the nerves going into that match? Because obviously, I think you'd won your first ATP World Tour match in Houston a couple of months before that, and then going out and playing. Zabalet has been in the top twenty before, so and playing in front of your home crowd as well. How were the nerves? Yeah, it was uh, it was my first time uh, in the Grand Slam main draw. You know, I had a wild card from the federation. Uh, yeah, I was in good shape that time. You know, I start uh, the year like with a ranking about uh, two twenty. Uh, and uh, at that time I was one one eighty one sixty, and uh, yeah, I was very confident. I came back from uh, from uh, some tournament in US yeah. in Houston. I was playing good. Then after in uh, I played in Bermuda, a big challenger, and I beat one Monaco, for example. So it was good win on on clay, and uh, yeah. So the the main thing is uh, it was silly, you know, it was like 32 in the world at time, so it was not easy for me. But I could see that I was uh, I was doing a good match, nothing special, and I I was close in the first two sets, you know, I lost seven six six three, and then in the four in the third I lost six two. But um, yeah, I could see I was not too far from this guy, you know, and there is a there was a big big gap between us in the in the ranking. So then after this, you know, I say okay, come on. You can do it. It's not unbelievable, and uh, the guy is playing good. He's very solid, but yeah, you can do it. Perfect. And and also in two thousand and seven, you had a, a little bit of a blip with with illness. And um, how? And I remember I, I read on the ATP website that you said that you didn't feel like an athlete anymore when you came back in two thousand and eight, um, and you, you weren't prepared. So how did you come back from from that illness, and how difficult was it? Yeah, um, yeah, I started to, to have some problems, you know, I got a virus in Brazil, beginning of the year in 2007, and um, yeah, I started to feel very weak after one month, and uh, yeah, I was like, well, I was playing, sometimes I was playing mm. really good, I won a tournament like this, but I could see something was wrong, and then the next tournament, I was completely uh, completely dead, you know, I was I was almost sleeping on the court, you know, I could have no more energy, really? so I was a hepatitis A, 
And uh, yeah, this kind of like it, like it looks like um, mononucleosa. You know, you you have no energy. And uh, yeah, I had to wait one year. And um, after this, you know, I say okay with my coach. I say okay now. Yeah, I had like my the the doctors. They told me I I can go now. You know, but I was not feeling well. You know, I could see that you know I was running a little bit and no energy, nothing special. But my coach said, okay now you doctors are okay, so you have to push and, and and go and to see if you can do what you can do. But you have to push if you if you listen too much your body. It's not gonna work, and then finally, in two three months, I I was getting better and better, and uh, and then I was back in June, and uh, finally, yeah, I was surprised with my first tournament because I I, I was coming from qualies and I did I reached the final, and uh, yeah, I lost to Timo the Baker in the final, and it was a was a good match, so yeah, I was I was happy with my 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 comeback. Well, it was all smooth sailing from then on because in 2010 in Johannesburg, you reached your first ever final, um, defeated the likes of uh, Brendan Evans. Uh, Isaac Vandermeer, Dustin Brown, David Ferrer as well, and then en route to the final where, unfortunately, um, Feliciano Lopez got the better of you. But talk us through that week and, and how much that meant to you. Yeah, it was uh, it was strange, you know, because uh, in this tournament I had a big opportunity. My ranking was 108, and um, or maybe 100 something, and uh, I was seeded 8. So yep. it's amazing when you play ATP 250, you know, to be, to be yeah. seeded, you know. So, yeah, I did this on purpose. You know, I knew that this tournament sometimes, you know, some guys are not coming and then uh, the list is not so strong. So, and I took this opportunity again, you know, I had a good draw. So I said, okay, let's go. Uh, I had to beat Dustin Brown in the quarterfinal. And then in semifinal, I play against David Ferrer. And I, I remember talking to my coach and uh, yeah, because that time he was 18 in the world. But he told me, yeah, you never know, you know, uh, here uh, there was a bit of altitude, like around uh, 1000 meter. And um, the game is different. So, yeah, the day I played against David, you know, I could see he was not feeling so good with his back end. So, and me, I was, I was pre- doing pretty well. So I was playing most of the time on his, on his back end. I was very, very efficient with my return. And, uh, yeah, I beat him in two sets. So, you know, I was thinking, yeah, let, let's go. And the, the dream, uh, dream is on. So let's go and try to do it in, in final. But in final, it was tough because Feliciano was serving very well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I could uh, push him in the first set, you know, almost to the tie break. But second set after he was, uh, you know, it was also a bit under pressure because I think he didn't win a tournament for for a few years, and he had a big opportunity also, and uh, he was a bit stressed in the first set, you know. <laughs> so in the second set, he started to play very very relaxed, and it was more and more difficult for me. That's definitely not what you want. But um, in, moving forward now to to 2011, um, playing Roland Garros. You had arguably one of the biggest wins of, of your career against Thomas Burdich, your your only top 10 win. He was world number six at that point. You came back from two sets to love down and won 9-7 in the fifth. Uh, talk us through the emotions of that match and, and how you felt when you won. Yeah, it was like, uh, I told my friend, you know, for for like, when I start to play tennis as a professional, I told my friend, yeah, I want to do something in French Open. You know, I want to do, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to do something. <laughs> and when it, when this match arrived and I did, I, I won this match, I say, hey, now <laughs> that time came, you know, I did something big. So I was very, very happy. You know? And uh, I think I was playing, yeah, maybe my best tennis, best tennis ever at that time because, uh, yeah, I had, uh, before French Open, I played for two months. I was playing very, very solid, I had a lot of wins. And um, I had the tough uh, qualies and uh, I was already a bit tired, you know, after the qualies because I had to do so many matches before also. And uh, yeah, it's, it was a big surprise to win this match, you know, in five sets. I remember I was like two sets, two sets down. And um, yeah, I knew that the guy told me like, 
uh, yeah, it's tough to, to keep the focus for, for three sets in a row. So yeah, when I, I broke him in the, in the third, I was thinking, yeah, okay, it's normal. The guy is not so focused so much. So maybe yeah, it's okay. I, I want this set 6-2. And then in the fourth, I broke him again. And <laughs> then I said, no, now it's not normal. Now it's not a problem of focus. You know, it, maybe I'm playing very, very, very good. And he started to be a bit, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he was a bit nervous about my game, you know. And then I, I started to play like I was playing before because at the beginning of the match, you know, I was a bit observing him. I played him when he was younger, you know, when he was 17. But now, yeah, it was after that, you know, he was a completely different player. And uh, after after the, this first two sets, so I, I won this third one. And then on the first, you know, I said, hey, I broke him again. So now <laughs> it's something to do, you know. And I was playing really, really good, playing my best and uh, put him under pressure. But in, in, the, in the fifth, he came back, you know, was playing again yeah. very good. And uh, I saved one match point, 5-4 on my serve. But no, like I, I did a good serve. So yeah. no, no, no. Not so many things to, to manage because sometimes, you know, when it's much point and you have to eat like a few balls, uh, yeah. then it's not that easy. <laughs> so finally I, I did it. And then, uh, yeah, in the, it was unbelievable atmosphere, you know, like I played on the court number two and it's special court, you know, in, uh, in France. It's like they calling the ring, you know, it's like yeah. a boxing because it's very small. Oh, the, is like, that what they call the bull ring? Yeah, no, 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 oh, not this the, one, yeah. But... Um, yeah, but this court, yeah, it's special. Like it was like three thousand, four thousand people, and also people from the center court. They can watch, you know. And they, Federer was playing on the center court, but the people they were watching <laughs> this because you know, yeah, you know, when they, they like, you know, in the, in a lot of tournaments, the people they like. But in France, you know, they like when the guy like was like not best ranking, and he's be beating one of the top seed. They, they they enjoy it so much, you know. I remember when I was watching uh, French Open, seeing like guys like uh, out of top hundred and beating a uh, seed. Like yeah. I remember two guys uh, doing this. So I say, hey, now it's my time. So <laughs> yeah, I was very very happy after after this, you know. So yeah, it was my my best win. I, actually, I'm happy because I won another match in the main draw because yeah, it would have been a pity that he, I, I beat only one guy in the main draw. So I beat Kevin Anderson uh, in 2016. Yeah. So my second win in the in uh, in, the, in Paris and uh, yeah, I'm happy I have two wins. Yeah, well, two pretty big wins at that. Both of them are Grand Slam finalists. And moving a, a little bit forward to, to last year and Indian Wells, where you took on a man named Roger Federer in the second round there. What, what was that like to, to play against a man that is considered the greatest person ever to pick up a racket? Were, were you daunted walking out? or because you, And you did take five points in a row off him at one point, so that's something uh, that you can tell, tell for, for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I, I, I did um, in 2016. Uh, yeah, I was with, uh, no, in 2017, last year. Yeah. I started to play with Roger. You know, I was sparring partner sometimes with him, oh, you know, right. till uh, till his quarterfinal or round of 16. I don't remember. Well, before, no, maybe it's around when he played against Thomas Burdich. Yeah. I think it was around. Yeah. So I was like practicing with him like three, four times. So, yeah, it was amazing, you know, to play with him because, uh, yeah, he's playing uh, amazing uh, tennis. So, so good to see. And um, so after, you know, in Indian Wells, I played against him. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah. But the thing is, it was, it was, it was a special situation for me because I was already in trouble with my adductor, you know. I was not yeah. feeling well. And um, yeah, I knew I had, I had no chance. So I said, okay, I want to try a strong start, you know, to put all my energy at the, in the start. And then, and then I, I see what's going on. And uh, quickly, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't play like 100%. So I was too whole. And then he broke me 
And f after this, you know, he was playing very well because at the beginning he was not playing so good. You know, at that time, you know, the last tournament before he lost against uh, Donskoy Don in, in Dubai. And, uh, you know, it was a big surprise and mm. he didn't arrive with full confidence in, in, uh, in Indian Wells. So I could see it at the, at the beginning because yeah, it was too old and I, I was not playing unbelievable, but he was missing a few shots. But then once he broke me, then he started to play amazing and me, I couldn't move anymore. So, yeah, I was thinking to, to stop playing, but I say, OK, I was playing center court night session. Uh, okay, let's play and uh, yeah, enjoy the moment. Fantastic. And, and just a couple of quick ones before we wrap up. Joel, is there anything you want to ask Stefan? I think you covered it all, Val. Took some of my questions, man. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> but uh, just a couple of uh, quick things. The best place you've ever played? Uh, it's tough to say. I know I like, I enjoy a lot of places, you know. Uh, yeah, Indian Wells actually is very, very nice tournament, but I like also to play in Melbourne. I like, enjoy to play in Sydney, Auckland, Acapulco, yeah. Monte Carlo, so many places. Yeah. You know, when you play all the best tournaments in the world, it's tough to say uh, one, one spot, you know. Well, what's the worst one? No. <laughs> the worst one, you know, um, um, yeah, yeah, in, Uz in Uzbekistan is tough sometimes, you know. I heard Sam Groth did say that recently in, uh, in Uzbekistan. There was a place, I can't remember the city that it was called, but, um, it was, uh, one of the worst places. I think water only went up to level three of the hotel and, or, oh, yeah, uh, yeah mm. it was, he said it was really difficult. It was, it was a long time ago. Uh, it mm. was in 2003. So I was playing future tournament. So it was very special. Now I came back to Tashkent. Now it's getting better, you know, yeah. but uh, at that time it was tough. Yeah. Um, and who's your best mate on tour? Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of guys, you know, I am very friendly with a lot of players. So uh, now I'm, I like to be with my, uh, with some young guys now, you know, it's funny for me to be, for example, with Calvin Emery. Yeah. I like so much this guy and uh, yeah, I have many friends, you know, Jeremy Chardy, uh, Fabrice Martin, double player. Yep. So yeah, I have a lot of guys uh, around and uh, yeah. And the goals for 2018? Yeah, for me, uh, yeah, the goal is to come back uh, next year for the Australian Open. You know, I, um, it was funny, like I was thinking about this, like when I came here, that between 80 and 30, I came to play the qualies uh, two times only. And between 30 to 40, maybe I'm going to do 10 times, you know. Far so unbelievable. that's why I want to do, I want to come back next year, because if I come back next year, I did 10 in a row, you know, from 30 to 39. Unbelievable. So, um, so that's, that's my goal, actually. After, you know. If I go back to top 100, maybe, I don't know, but then uh, I have to play my best tennis. For the moment, it's, it's going well, so I think everything is possible as long as I'm not getting injured. So, yeah, that's my wish to play 100%, and then everything is possible. Well, fantastic. And on break point, we hope that you do get back to the top 100. We are all aboard the Stefane train, and I've, tw <laughs> I've tweeted that so many times, and nobody has, nobody else has done it. It's still only me, but we've got to get this rolling. So throughout all your matches in 2018, I'll be tweeting it and, and making sure people <laughs> realize that, that what's going on. But Stefan Robert, thank you so much for joining us on Breakpoint. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you as our first player guest. My pleasure too. Huh? Thank you. And that's Stefan Robert there on Breakpoint Podcast. Joel and I will be back to review what last week's action, the rankings and preview our upcoming week or the upcoming week in tennis. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo and Joel Fridgey here with you. We'd like to thank Stefan Robert again, the Stefan train. We've had him on, first player 
I'm I'm almost about to take my shirt off on that excited. <laughs> it's also very hot in here. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Don't do that, though. It's hot in here again. Um, it is Valentine's Day, so so why not? <laughs> why not? But um, no, it is extremely hot in here. But um, I'm I'm wrapped. That was that was awesome. And thanks again to Stefan, as I said, for coming into the studio and speaking to us about his career and his journey so far. But we we best uh, digress and move on to the updated rankings. And Joel, you have the ATP top ten. Sure do. So there's only one change. So Rafael Nadal is still up the top, but for how much longer? Could be a very short time because yes. Roger Federer is right behind him. Who's excited? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people will be, uh, given Especially the me. amount of Roger fans in this great big planet of ours. Marin Cilic, number three. Here's where the change is. Alex Verev uh, back up to four. Grigor Dimitrov down to five. Dominic Team at six. David Goffin, seventh. Jack Sock, eight. One Martin Del Potro, nine. And Pablo Carreño Busta rounds out the top ten. Uh, thank you, Joel. I've got the Aussies, Nick Kyrgios, down 1 to 15. Matt Ebden, down 4 to 79. John Millman, up 6 to 103. Jordan Thompson, down 4 to 107. Uh, Alex Diminor, down 3 to 142. Akira Santillan, down 2 to 159. Bernard Tomic, uh, 169, stays true. Uh, Jason Kubler, up 12 to 205. Tanasi Kokonakis, up 3 to 216. And Mark Polmans, after winning the Challenger in Launceston, is up 78 to 223. Rises and sliders real quick. Joel, who's your riser? Uh, Mirza Basic up 52 to 77, which is a career high. So, yeah, one in Sofia. Yeah, he won in Sofia, uh, beat Marius Koppel in the final and beat Stan Vavrinka in the semis. So, uh, who would have well picked that him. final? Yeah, uh, well. Who? Who? <laughs> who? Um, <laughs> someone outlandish. Yeah. Someone well, very outlandish. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, mine's Roberto Carvalho Baena. I think that's how you say it. I've got... I've always wanted to know how to say I think it's Carabales Benner. Uh, I put the lisp in there just to add a little bit of flavor, but he's up 31 to 76 after defeating Albert Ramos Vinolas in the Quito final. So ending the reign of Victor Estrella Burgos. Who's your slider? Uh, Francis Tiafo down four to 98. I guess a player that we're really just waiting to kick on and take that next mm. step. Hasn't quite happened yet, but think- no doubt with the power that he's got, it's only a matter of time. Second year blues possibly on tour, yeah. but he's still got a long way to go. He's only 19. Mine is the main man, Victor Estrella Burgos, down 53 to 139, unable to defend his points in Quito in Ecuador. The WTA top 10, Joel. Yeah, so unchanged uh, with the Fed Cup. Up top still is my girl, Caroline Wozniacki, <laughs> followed by Simona Halep, number two, Elena Zvitolina in three, Gabinia Muguruza, four, Carolina Pliskova, 5. Yelena Ostapenko, 6. Caroline Garcia, 7. Venus Williams, 8. Angie Kerber, 9. And rounding out the top 10, which I still can't believe, is Julia Gorges. There we go. Julia, two weeks in the top 10. Brilliant. What a two weeks it has been yeah. for her. The Aussies, Ash Barty at 16, unchanged. Dara Gavrilova, unchanged at 26. Sam Stoza, unchanged at 44. Ala Tomjanovic, also unchanged at 98. Arena Rodionova, up 2 to 131. Olivia Rogaska, also up 1 to 146. Lizette Cabrera, unchanged at 157. Destiny Ayava, up 1 to 187. Priscilla Hon, also up 1 to 189. And Isabel Wallace, down 1 to 244. We won't do rises and sliders this week because of Fed Cup, Joel. So let's get into the previews of this week's upcoming action. The standings for our picks so far. Last week, it was me on 15, Josh on 14, you on 12, and Ryan on 7. This week, it is me and Josh equal leading on 18 points, Joel on 15, and Ryan on 14. So Ryan, did he got two of the scores right in the Davis in the Fed Cup last weekend. Mm. So that clawed his way back. So he'd be on, if we didn't allow the two points, he'd be on 12, but he's, uh, he's closing the gap a little 
little bit there. So um, very close four points between top and bottom. We'll go to the previews, though. Rotterdam, Roger Federer is the top seed. He's looking for world number one this week. Grigor Dimitrov, two. Uh, Alexander Zverev, three. David Goffin, four. Stan Vavrinka, five. He lost the Talon Griekspor of the Netherlands, four six six three six two last night. Thomas Burdich, six. Luka Pui, seven. Defending champ Songer was eight. He's out with a hamstring injury, so Gilles Muller takes ninth seed. So Federer looking to become the oldest world number one for the first uh, the world number one for the first time since 2012. Needs a semi-final here. He'll be the oldest world number one ever. Will beat Agassi by three years. He plays Bemelmans first, then uh, Philip Kohlschreiber, then possibly Greek Sport, Debaka or Robin Hassa, and then he'll get through to the semis and take that number one spot if he can. So picks for you, Joel. Uh, I have Roger Federer knocking over Xavi Goffin in the final. I've got Roger winning over Thomas Burdich in the final. I think uh, Burdich, with the way he played at the Australian Open, hasn't played since then, so he'd be fresh, and hopefully, uh, for my sake, in the picks competition, he can get through. But he's in some very good form from what we saw in Melbourne. Uh, in Buenos Aires, Dominic Team, the top C, Pablo Carreño Busta, two, Albert Ramos Vinolas, three, Fabio Fonini, four, Diego Schwartzman, five, uh, Kyle Edmund was six, but he's out with an illness, Pablo Cueva, seven, Fernando Vadasco. Eight. Who have you picked for here, Joel? Uh, I really can't look past Dominic Team, to be honest, yeah. not Clay. Um, and I think he's going to beat Pablo Carreño Busta in the final. Agreed. Or well, I agree with Team anyway. I've got Diego Schwartzman making the final the way he mm, played yeah. at the Australian Open. I think uh, he's a real shot. Uh, in New York, the first tournament moving from Memphis to Long Island in New York. So first tournament that they're holding there. Two tournaments in that great city. Kevin Anderson, top seed. Sam Querrey, two. John Isner, three. Uh, Adrian Manorino, Joel's favorite player of all time, <laughs> in fourth. Uh, Kei Nishikori, five. Ryan Harrison, six. Steve Johnson was seven, but lost to Menendez Maceres. Albert M- M- Menendez Maceres. I should have just said that once. I had it. Yeah. Uh, one six six three seven six. And Nicolas Basilashvili, finalist in Memphis last year, won't defend those points. He lost to Duty Sailor six four six four in the first round. Matt Ebden also out losing to Mikhail Yuzny after taking the opening set. Who are your picks here, Joel? Um, yeah, it was it was a tough one actually to pick this one. Um, I've gone for Sam Query though over John Isner. All right, I don't have... Oh, no, I do have Isner. Um, I've got him making the final, but I've got Ryan Harrison taking the title, mm, I think, yeah. with his form in Brisbane, and he won the tournament last year in Memphis, so he'll try and defend those points with all his might. Uh, in Doha, on the WTA side of things, WTA regular tennis is back. Fed Cup's all done for a couple of months. Caroline Wozniacki, the top seed, uh, um, since or second tournament back since the Australian Open. Simona Halep, two, her first tournament back since Melbourne. Alina Svitolina, three. Gabinia Muguruza, four. Carolina Pliskova, five. Ostapenko, six. Garcia, seven. Uh, Kerber, eight. Georges, nine. Conta, ten. Miladinovic, eleven. Keys, twelve. Sevastovas, thirteen. Uh, Rybarikova, fourteen. Mertens, fifteen. Kvitova, sixteen. Stoza, still in the tournament. She won her first round match. I don't know how, but she did. <laughs> she beat Arena Camelia, Bego, six four six two, and she'll play Angelique Kerber next. Having said that, I do have Kerber winning the title over Carolina Pliskova in the final. Who have you got, Joel? Um, I have Angie Kerber, Angie uh, Kerber making and winning the final against. Um, you know, I, I hate I hate to pick her. I hate picking her in finals and losing Simona Harlot. All right, <laughs> sorry, okay. Simona, but. I'm just loving the way that Angie's playing at the moment. Yeah, no, she's playing really well. And well, it was 9-7 in the third in the Australian Open semi-final. So 
Gee, I think yeah, it could be it could be a very similar match if, um, if they're both in form. Yeah, yeah, well, hopefully because that match was out of this world, so we're hoping for another one. But that's it for Breakpoint Podcast today, Joel Fritchie. Thank you for being in the studio with me. Uh, pleasure, Val. It's been a good show. And happy Valentine's Day again. Oh, thanks, mate. Love you. I love you too. And uh, we're promoting, uh, well, we've got to promote this as much as we can because thank you again to Stefan Robert for coming on the show and having a chat to us. It was an absolutely awesome chat. And uh, if you want to hear that, you can listen to our Wooshka page. Uh, we'll post that as soon as we're done with this. And uh, also on Facebook, Breakpoint One. I think if you search the at, it'll just Breakpoint. Um, also Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast as well. This has been Val Febo and Joel Frucci on a momentous day in the history of Breakpoint Podcast. Hope everybody has a lovely day and a lovely week.